0: This morning we're going to turn our Bibles to Psalm 147 through 150 and we'll finish up this book this morning. We'll pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for this morning and the rain in August is such a blessing and uh, we pray that uh, you bless us with uh, your Holy Spirit this morning, that your word would fall on our hearts and, and refresh us and teach us and train us and help us through difficult times as well as um, that we might exalt you through the the wonderful times is on both ends of the spectrum, God. We just want to worship you. Lord, teach us to worship like the psalmists do. In Jesus' name, amen. That is one of the amazing things about the psalms is um, there's a psalm for everything. There's a praise song for everything, and I so appreciate that. At the end here of the book, um, the final psalms are from a place of rescue, from a place of deliverance. Whereas sometimes the Psalms are from a place of, I need help, you know. And so you can always find the right song for the circumstance that you're in. And uh, God makes sure of that. He knew that we would need this book. Puts it right in the middle of our text, and I think that's a blessing for us. If you don't know where to turn, usually when you throw your Bible down on the table, it should flop open to the middle, so there's something there for everybody. Um, These last Psalms, as we go through them, are from, we believe, when Nehemiah had brought back the third wave from Israel, or from Babylon to Israel. And so this is a wonderful time of seeing things happen, you know. We go through seasons where we don't see things happen. We go through seasons where, um, I've heard this a lot lately from people, they feel hollow. I don't know where that comes from. But there are Psalms for that, when you feel hollow, And the hollowness that I think they're trying to describe to me is something where I don't know why I'm feeling like this. I just feel hollow. And the psalmist covers that several times. Why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Like, I don't even know why I'm feeling this way, but you do. And so I'm coming to you, God, the only one that can know me from the inside out, knows my heart better than I do. Would you help me here? Well, these next psalms come from a a heart that's full, not hollow. Um, They've been praying a long time to be delivered. They've been praying to go back to their homeland, to see God move in their life again. And he is. That's a wonderful thing to experience. And I don't know that we would celebrate as much the Psalm 147s, 48s, 49s, and 50s if we didn't have the other times. The contrast of when it feels like you don't know. And uh, they do know here. And so they can sing a psalm here. They sing him when things are well. They don't walk away from him when things are going well. And they don't just cling to him when things are going poorly. There's just this constant attitude of praise. And the reason they're able to do this, I believe, is because they understand that this world has lots of circumstances it can throw at us and lots of seasons that we're going to go through. But ultimately, we pass through them all. And we end up in our final destination. And that's why, well, Revelation 21 and 22 are written. That's for us to enjoy and to look forward to the end. The end of this and the beginning of that. So the psalmists are in that place this morning. In verse 1, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. This is where we get this Nehemiah from verse two. He's building up Jerusalem and he's gathering together all of Israel back again. And that is the main event um, in the Old Testament where Um, several uh, books cover this, several prophets are covering this uh, Babylonian captivity, and so we believe this psalm comes from that. Several of the songs we sang this morning were singing whether we like it or not. I mean, that's a, a, a blunt paraphrase, but the first two songs were really that, sing whether you like it or not. And there's a reason for that, is because that's the place of healing. That's where he binds us up. That's where we present ourselves to the great physician and say, I'm singing to you because I have no one else to sing to. I have nothing else to sing about, but I always have this constant in my life. You're good. You're faithful. You're always there, regardless of who isn't in any of those circumstances. You are. So we sing, whether we like it or not, or whether we feel it or not. And, And the reason we do it is because it's good to do that. And we're going to discover later on that he inhabits the praises of his people. In Psalm 8, verse 4, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? It's a good place to be in that humble heart area, you know, to stay in that place. I know who you are. You're the one that builds everything and does everything. You're, you're mighty in power, and, and, and all the things you've done for us, it's, it's unbelievable. And who am I, you know? Who am I? In Deuteronomy 7, 7, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all the people. We, we cover this because if we understood how big, big he is, if we meditate on these things, and, and, and think about the stars, which he's going to get into here in a minute, and the scope and the size of creation, and, and how little and small we are, and yet so vital and important to him. We begin to praise God just from that that makes our circumstances better. Verse 7, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to your God, who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast its food and to young ravens that cry. Everything he does as you examine the whole Cycle, the hydraulic cycle, the growing cycle all of these things that go together it's it's all by design it's all it all suits and fits a purpose and and the world benefits from it. everything that's good in this world is from him everything that's bad has been a corruption by Satan. everything that falls apart you know there's this uh <laughs> but when you look at nature now, I remember. You know, when you do first grade nature, everything's rosy and there's bunny rabbits and ducks and things. And then you do third grade nature, it's getting a little more rough. And then by the time you're in sixth or seventh grade, you're watching lions kill gazelle. You know, they, they, they incrementally show us, reveal nature to us, you know. And I guess I'm glad they wait for us to be a little older before we start seeing the tragedy. It's not supposed to be like that. That's why it bothers us. That's why it's not right. Nobody takes enjoyment from that. Nobody sees pleasure in that. Everybody roots for the gazelle for the most part, I would think. Although you don't you know the other one needs to eat, you just kinda want him to get away, you know. Do a juke, do another dive the other way, you know, that's the wrong way. Oh boy. Or when they show that poor thing trying to get a drink, really watchful and weary, I'm like, there's an alligator. Everybody knows there's an alligator. He's screaming at the screen, watch out, you know. This is not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be peace. There will be, eventually, again. Not, not a lot of people know that. That's unfortunate. If you don't t- study the Bible from cover to cover, you don't realize that it's not the way it's supposed to be and that there will be a time when all those things are taken care of and it goes back to the original. We get so used to the way it looks around here. Oh, look how beautiful and how a lot of it's not the way it's supposed to be but eventually we're going to be able to play with the viper lie down with the lion you know the lamb and the and the predator will be able to cohabitate and there won't be any fear anymore animals won't have a fear of humans anymore as they did after noah there'll be no more of that you know i told you the time i got to touch a lion at the zoo wasn't supposed to they've built up a much bigger fence now but there was a hedge at the Henry Dorley Zoo up in Omaha and then a black uh you know iron fence and you walk down the path and and this is the top where and the, at that time this is where the pride would sit up here before they moved it to the other side of the park and and uh, there he was leaning against the bars and pushing his fur through the bars you know how they kind of well, if you're chubby, you know what I'm talking about. It kind of things just squished through the seats, you know, kind of thing. Well, there it was. <laughs> I couldn't help it. All I had to do was get past one hedge. and So I reached over and I, because who doesn't want to touch a lion, you know? So I touched him and he looked at me and he was as surprised as I was touching Oh, you know, sorry. It's built into us, you know? We want to do that. We know we shouldn't. <laughs> the only reason we know we shouldn't is because they'll eat us. You know, it's not supposed to be like that. So when he's looking around and he's watching all the food and the grass grow and the mountain goats and the you know the deer, the wild animals being taken care of without a shepherd, without somebody, they, he's recognizing something. There is a shepherd, isn't there? He says, and maybe not a a guy like me, but there is a shepherd watching out for all these animals. You need to make sure they're taken care of. Verse 10, he does not delight in the strength of horses or horse he takes no pleasure in the legs of a man the lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy god doesn't choose us or pick us because of our health or our skills or our vast knowledge or whatever it is we think that we bring to the table when it comes to serving god he's looking for people that fear him that that trust him that rely on his mercy rely on his hope He's not. He's not impressed by horses' strength or how far I can run or how fast I can run. He's, that's not important to him. It's the heart. It puts us all on a level playing field. It's it's a very something we can do. Some of us are just born certain ways. Certain things I can't do. You know, I'm not the tallest person in the world. You know, that's why I have Toby around. You know, can you get that for me? It's it's up there. It's at least you know five feet, and. Uh, I can't do anything about that. I can't add one cubit to my stature, you know, by wondering what if I had been made differently. The one thing we can do is we can change our heart towards God. Everybody can. That's completely available to every single person. And then once that takes place, you're completely usable by God, no matter your height or or stature or width or whatever it is that you think is a, a downfall. I don't take pleasure in those things. I do take pleasure, he says, in in those who fear me and those who hope in me. Verse 12. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat happening, is what he's saying. This 12 through 14 guys praise him because it's happening. Everything we've always asked for and prayed for, it's finally coming to pass. Now, I don't know that they could have praised and worshiped God that way last year, you know. And that's why there's a song for every season in our life. But right now, I can. And I only bring that up because although we're talking about, come on, everybody, I, as a, as a, I could get everybody going this morning. Let's all praise the Lord. Well, not everybody is in that place this morning, you know. Going through things, different things. Everybody's going through different things. I can tell you this, though, whether you feel like this or not, there is something to praise God for in your life, always is. And the way to healing and feeling better about the circumstance that isn't going so well in your life is to praise Him about the things that are going so well in your life. It isn't just positive thoughts. It's acknowledging him, first of all. You're placing yourself at his feet. You're placing himself under his sovereign authority of your life by thanking him for these things, acknowledging that this comes from him. In the same way, though, you can follow up with your situation, or your problem that you're going through and say, "I, I also know you can take care of this, the way you took care of that. I'm thankful for you, God. Verse 15. He sends out his command to the earth. Every word runs very swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. Just mentioning, you know, just frozen water in different forms, just bringing it up. Job is the book that speaks the most about snow and water. We some people believe it was maybe at the end of an ice age that Job was writing, you know. We're not sure exactly, but there is an awful lot of mention of that, or maybe just lived in a, a colder climate, we don't know. But he brings it up. He's not mad at the snow, like we get sometimes not mad at the frost, you know. Not mad at the hail even. They recognize every bit of it comes from the Lord. Every bit of it has its purpose and its reasons behind it. And he thanks God for it. Verse 19, he declares his word to Jacob, Israel, his statutes and his judgments to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not, uh, we have not, or they have not known them. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God for your judgments. None of the rest of the world gets to know about your judgments, but we do. I don't know. I mean, when you're looking for something to praise God for, I don't know if that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Oh, God, thank you for judgments that come my way, you know, or, or their way even. But He really does. The fact that we get your word, Lord, what a blessing that is. You've never dealt with any other nation like this before. Thank you for doing that for us. Now, we're a blessed nation. And we've got God's word. His word goes out every Sunday morning and every every day of the week someplace in this country. There isn't, a, there isn't a city you can go to probably where you couldn't if you wanted to hear God's word on any given night. Now, we like it to be everywhere and be the only thing that's heard every night. That's pretty good to be able to go anywhere in this country and be able to pull in as a visitor or as a If you're on vacation or whatever, and pulling to, you can find a place that's going to be teaching the word that night. You know, and it'll be different from what you're used to hearing too, because the body of Christ is wide, you know, and diverse. But you can do it. What countries had that before? You know, this is amazing. When he speaks in uh, at the end of Matthew about go therefore make disciples of all the nations, you know, we're the fulfillment of that. We're on the other side of the world. It's happened. I mean, and it's happening, don't get me wrong, but the Word of God has spread. It's all over the world. Now, there are places that are darker than others and need maybe more. But here it is. And we're sitting in a room full of people that are hearing the Word of God this morning because of that commission given 2,000 years ago. Here we are. Anyway, Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you stars of light, praise him you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, he also established them forever and ever, he made a decree which shall not pass away. The constants, the things that are above us, the things that the rest of the world worships, the creation. This psalmist says, those created things, they worship God. They're called to do that. They're not above him. He's above them. And he's just making a point of that. Nobody's outside of the range of of worshiping God, including the heavens, including the heights and the angels and the hosts and the moon and the stars and the sun and all these things. They all worship God. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, we often use it as describing the downfall of men. But even in this little couple paragraphs, we get an insight into creation and the meaning of it and behind it and what it's meant for. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So keep that in mind. We're talking about ungodliness, not godlike unrighteousness not righteous and can't be none of the things we're about to read can be converted into those two things they're the they're they're the opposite who suppress the truth in unrighteousness so those who suppress truth are a part of this problem because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. I don't believe any atheist that says they can't find any evidence for God. I don't believe them, because I believe the Bible. The Bible says that, no, you're denying the evidence, perhaps, but it's all around you. You may have tried to come up with other solutions than than acknowledging a God that created these things, but... It's obvious you've had to come up with other solutions because it's so obvious that God created these things. You wouldn't be having this mental gymnastics in your brain if it weren't so obvious that he's there. I think that's what causes us the most uh, difficulty is we're, we're just so used to it, you know. It's so commonplace, grass, big deal. I mean, think about it. If we thought about everything like Washington Carver thought about the peanut, you know, we'd all be blown away. But most of us just drive by it. It's just a drive by scenery thing now. It's like, no, you really got to think about what you're, what you're witnessing right now. And anybody that sits still long enough in any place in creation, it's apparent that there's a creator. So they have to, although they have that, understanding by the created about creation. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness because his attributes are clearly seen. It's obvious. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without an excuse. They understand by looking at these things that there's no way. I mean, there's a, I've read a lot of books um, and I probably have more knowledge than I thought I had, you know, about these things. It just is second nature to me. Now I just, when I go through a process of thinking about the scope and size of creation and the universe and the world and the solar system and the galaxies and all these things, it's, It's so obvious that he has to be a perfect God, and most people are like, why does he have to be a perfect God? I'm saying, well, just think about it. He can't be imperfect, because if he's imperfect, once he makes a mistake, this all goes away. And then nothing exists anymore, including him. He has to be perfect. He has to be flawless for it to function. If he's not flawless, then it won't. It can't. There may be a time period where he's really good at being flawless, but then when the flaw comes... Everything falls apart. So I've already gone through all that, and i passed that. So when I look at creation, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's obvious. It's, it's so easy for me to believe now. I just came to that rationalization this week as I'm like, why? It's just so easy for me. I just I can't imagine not having this internal conversation with God constantly. I'm always talking to him, always. It's kind of maddening sometimes. It's like, okay, think about something else, but I can't help it. It's just so obvious to me. And it is obvious when we take the time to just think it through, to use the brains that he gave us and to look at the things around us. It's like, of course, what other solution could there possibly be? And that's what he's, the writer's getting at here. It's a, in Romans, uh, back to that section, you can see his eternal power. You can see his Godhead so that they, the created, that are thinking about these things are without an excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And that includes people, yourself, Once you reject the obvious truth, you're open to everything then. Everything. And we can see that, can't we? Many of us are shocked right now where the world is headed. Some of us just cannot believe the things that people You really, you know, you really want me to believe that. And you really believe that. I cannot figure out how you got to this conclusion. I mean, you can pick a subject. But when you remove God or at least ignore him or put him out of your mind and and say, I'm smarter than all these archaic religious people, these born-again Christian wackos, once you deny Jesus, you're open to everything. Everything is now available for truth. And although we're standing back as truth knowers and truth spreaders and truth readers, and we're looking at things you. You can't possibly mean what you're saying. I mean, this has to be some sort of plot. You have to be. And this is the conclusion. This is nothing new. I mean, that's what Romans 1 is all about. You've denied the one, and you've opened yourself up to everything else, including yourself being God. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts. To dishonor their bodies among themselves. He let them. That's the short version. He let them. Is that really what you want? Oftentimes in scripture, God will let the nation of Israel, especially Israel, if they've chosen another God, followed another people group, wanted to be like another people group, he lets them. And they're always sorry. And they always come back and they always repent and they always wish they hadn't gone down that road. But I don't know that they would have come to that conclusion if God hadn't let them go down that road. Okay, this is what you think is truth. Let's, I'm going to have to let, instead of you thinking it to its logical conclusion, I'm going to let you live it to its logical conclusion. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing people that have made the drastic surgical changes to their bodies and come full circle to, I'm just a mutilated woman now. I'm no longer the man I thought I would hope. Every surgery gave me a little more hope, gave me a little boost, a little thought that maybe I was really going to be turned into a man. And now they stand with a deeper voice because of the testosterone therapy and the double mastectomy and, and so on. I'm still a woman. I'm just mutilated now. Now, as sad as that is and horrible as that is, they have now come to the truth. And I'm thankful that that is not the end of their existence, that they don't have to live forever in that place, but that they will have a new body and they will live with Jesus forever once they come to know salvation and everything will be righted and no more confusion and no more strange paths that people can take. Anyway, this Romans verse says, I gave them over to the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forevermore. We see a a wonderful mercy that God has for us. One of the... uh, maybe a speculation, maybe not, maybe it just is the way it is, but when they ate of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, God says they have to be removed from the garden lest they eat of the tree of life as well. Lest they stay in that perpetual state of sin and then eat of the tree of life and live forever in that sin, remove them, and now that tree is with the Lord now. There is no access to the tree of life now that you know sin. So that they aren't I mean, it's an act of mercy is what that is. And, I, and that's basically what I just said with the body conversions is it's an act of mercy to know that this, you're not going to live forever that way. It'll be righted. It'll be fixed. You'll be okay. Once you come to the truth. So back in Psalm 148, praise the Lord from the earth. Verse seven, you great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail Snow and clouds, a stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, all of them, everything that he's mentioned here. Praise the Lord. All of it is. I think that's one of our biggest struggles when we read through maybe Sodom and Gomorrah, or we're reading about um, just some sort of weather event that's taken place, or some sort of judgment that God has brought upon a people group. We think, "Oh boy, that's a that's a lot," you know. Of course, not fully understanding what God has witnessed in their lives and why He's come to this conclusion that that's what needs to take place and that it's the best solution. From our perspective, we we can't understand maybe. All of the judgment, and or maybe we just cheer it on without really understanding the full implications of it. You know, we could do that. Go get them. You know. Well, we wouldn't say that if it was us living there. You know. Um, all these things that happen in the Old Testament against those that deny Him and follow after sin and have rejected Him and do not want His blessing in their life. Um. I think we see glimpses of that in our country now and then. Not in total, but I think as our country moves further and further away from the Lord and the worship of God, um, I think we're going to see more and more of that. I'm not saying every weather event and every natural disaster is is the judgment hand of God. I'm not saying that. I, I think these things are just also part of a fallen creation. But it is interesting sometimes when it's so targeted, it's hard not to kind of wonder in your mind. It's, it's not mine to know. That's why I don't wonder too long on those things. I don't try to come to my own conclusion and then, whatever, post it on YouTube. Here's what's happened. I don't know why. But I do take notice of these things. And it would be foolish for any of us to think that what he did in the Old Testament to bring people around isn't something that he would do now to bring people around. I think Billy Graham said, it. he goes, if God doesn't judge America soon, he's going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah a great apology. Of course, he's being sarcastic. But the implication is it's, it's going to come. We can't continue down this road and think that he won't do here what he did there. So, Verse 13, let him praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, of people near to him. Praise the Lord. His name is above all names. He's worthy of exaltation. Um, when you understand who he is, the praise comes easier. The praise flows smoothly. And it isn't dependent upon your circumstances anymore. It's just praise. Um, A wonderful woman of God, Johnny Erickson Tata is a shining example of that. It'd be one thing if you were born that way. She's a quadriplegic now, fully reliant upon those around her, including her husband. She paints with her teeth, you know, with a brush. Amazing stuff, you know what my excuse is i got two arms and i can't make any of them do a tenth of what she a hundredth of what she does with her mouth you know beautiful pictures you should look them up johnny erickson tata wonderful woman of faith woman of praise woman of praise as a quadriplegic that'd be maddening to me i'm a man i don't want anybody to help me can you imagine Button me, wash me. I mean, there are all the other things that we don't even want to talk about. I need help with this, that, or the other thing. And then to praise him, to praise the Lord, to spend her life bringing people to Jesus and telling the world how great He is. That's someone who's overcome the foolishness of our of our mood swings. You know, I'm sure she doesn't have great days every day. I'm hoping. I'm kidding. I mean, I hope she does, but she's got to be human, right? But to have that kind of relationship with her Savior, with her God, to where this is not affecting my heart towards him. This is just a circumstance, and to have that, I admire it. I admire her. Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker and the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. (laughs) Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Never thought of it that way. It's a great way to put it, isn't it? He's going to beautify me as a humble person with salvation. A wonderful thing to wear, you know. Doesn't this dress make me look cute? Maybe you would say, "Don't you look sharp or dapper in your suit?" You know, the salvation looks good on us. It beautifies us. He takes pleasure in his people. I noted that he. Uh, It says in Psalm 22, verse 3, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. You're enthroned there. We say things I don't think we mean. I'm sure he loves listening to us praise him, but that's not what the scripture tells us about our praise to him. He doesn't say, God sure loves listening to you praise him. Really. He says things like this. I'm enthroned in your praises. Now, I've always twisted that around in my mind and said, well, He's exalted, and, he, and, and, and and we're acknowledging him on the throne, and therefore it's kind of enthroning. You know, it's, a, it's acknowledgment of his. Then you read Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen, 15, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I dwell there. I dwell with people. Ours is the only religion where God lives in our hearts. Every other religion is God as an external being that needs to be pleased or appeased or whatever. And, and there's that relationship like we have with each other. You know? But in Ephesians, he tells us that he actually makes his dwelling place in us. It's not unheard of. You know? So when he says he inhabits the praises of his people, he does. You know? It's different. It's different than saying, you know, uh, you know, Allah Akbar or whatever it is that they want to say. You know, praise, praise be to that God. This is different. When we praise God, he inhabits. When you guys all start singing together, he's inhabiting the praises of his people. Something deep there, I don't know that I understand it fully, but I do acknowledge that it's so important to worship him. And when I don't worship him, I don't feel like it, when my mouth won't work, or I'm pretty sure I shouldn't because my voice isn't that great, or whatever reasons there are for us just to be spectators at worship time, which is all it is, he doesn't then inhabit that part of you. So I think it's important we learn to worship, to focus on Him, to lift up our voices to Him, to let Him have that avenue into our lives where He can, where He can work, where He can change us. You know, I've got these ideas about God healing me and how He's going to do it. He's going to give the doctors wisdom. Something's going to show up on the X-ray, or. Maybe it's an emotional problem that you have. He's going to bring something good into my life to counteract the bad, or he's going to make this bad thing work out for you. And sometimes he's like, no, I, what I want to do and how I want to heal you is this. I want you to praise me, and I'll inhabit those praises, and I will lift up your heart. But what about the circumstances and the situations? No, no, no. Those aren't going to change. I want to lift up your heart in them, during them, through them. Oh. I don't feel like worshiping, but that's what I want to do in your life. That's how I want to touch you in this area. That's why you're going through what you're going through. I want you to, I want to, you to feel me and see me lift up your heart in it, through it. Hmm. That's where obedience is so important for us. It doesn't matter whether I feel like it or not. What if your kids didn't make the bed unless they felt like it? <laughs> you know? I don't care what you feel like. I just don't feel like making it today. Mm, Interesting. Make it anyway. You know? Not only be so crass as to think that that's how God, you know, you don't feel like worshiping me anyway? Worship. Just worship. You know? I don't think he's like that, but maybe I should respond that way, even if he's not that harsh with me. I want you to praise me. I don't think I feel like it. All right, I'll praise you. All I need is a look from him. And I'll be obedient. It's a great place to be. Verse 5 let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their, on their beds. That's their sick beds, by the way. Let them sing aloud on their sick beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. That escalated quickly, didn't it? <laughs> Praise the Lord, everything you have. And grab your sword and kick care of all your enemies while you're at it. What? Well, it gives us an insight. Why does he switch to that? Well, it's probably because of where they are. We're in the middle of nowhere, you know, we're back in the land, and we're surrounded by Samballot and Tobiah, you know, the story of those guys. And they all want to stop us, and they're breathing threats, and we're still building Jerusalem. And they're now, at this point, one point in Nehemiah, they're building with one hand, and they've got the sword in the other, and that's probably where this comes from, you know. Vanquish those foes. Look how he puts it. This honor has or have all the saints. You have the honor of doing that. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We reign with Jesus. He's king. He's on the throne. But he lets us reign with him. We're going to be a part of it. Part of what? Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. We rule in the millennial reign of Christ. I don't know what that looks like or what our duties will be, but we do reign with him. There's responsibility given. We're not only on his team cheering him on, but we're not spectators. We're, We're part of it. It's interesting. Finally, Psalm 150, the end of our book. The end of these wonderful songs. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. That's the everywhere. Praise him everywhere. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. That's his everything. Praise him with everything. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the every one. Now, I like the list here. It's hard not to ignore the fact that instruments are very much a part of worship. Some are a little timid about having a drum set in the church. I I don't know how you do Psalm 150 without one. I don't know about the six-string guitar. It says here, flutes, and oh my goodness. It says stringed instruments. That's why he left it generic. The harp's okay, but guitars are of the devil. No, they're not. No, they're not. You can play them with a harmonica or a kazoo. I don't care. We have boomsticks in the back for the kids. Doom, 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 doom. It's not drums of the devil. That's them praising God. That's boys getting some energy out while they're doing it. It's usually the boys that grab the boomsticks because they get to hit stuff. God wants us to praise him. Praise him with your voice. Praise him with your hands. You know, I can't play an instrument. You can do this. Maybe not on time even, but you can still do this, you know a lot of ways to praise the Lord. Everything is available and everything is worthy and everything is accepted by him when it comes to praising him for who he is and for what he's done. And he gives us that. Everywhere, everything and everyone, we can praise him. We're going to have communion now. Today's communion. This is where we thank God for dying on the cross for our sins. We remember that his body was broken for us, that his blood was shed, and that, that we wear, like we read today, salvation and it it looks good on us Uh, we humble people who have accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ are wearing that and um, it beautifies us thank you Kim and that's all this bread and this cup represent I mean it's a lot it's not all but it's simple On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread that they were eating and he broke it. and He gave thanks and he blessed it and he passed it around to his disciples, soon to be apostles. And he said, take and eat. As often as you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. This is my broken body for you. He also took the cup that they were drinking from. He says, he blessed it and prayed over it and said, this is the cup of my new covenant, the, my shed blood for you. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And that's why we do this. This is not what it looked like, obviously. The little cup and the little piece of bread are for convenience, for easy to pass. Um, But it means the same. It doesn't matter how the delivery happens. It's the point. We thank God for his broken body for us. That it's not us on the cross. That my sins, although they separated me from Jesus and from God, that he made the way for me to get to heaven by doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And now, as a born-again believer, he, he dwells in me and inhabits my praises. That's amazing. The new covenant is much better than the old. The old covenant, if you kept all the rules and laws and regulations and feasts and festivals and did everything right, then you could go to heaven. of course, the problem was we couldn't. So the new covenant is, he not only writes the contract, but he ratifies and signs both sides of the contract. He says, this is what I expect, and I promise I'll fulfill it. The old covenant is, this is what I expect, and you promise to fulfill it. And that failed us. We failed it. We broke contract. But not with Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the one who made the new covenant impervious to fraud, impervious to failure. It's wonderful. It's foolproof. And all we have to do is believe it. Lord, we thank you this morning for that promise that we have, that salvation is so secure in you. There is no way your blood or your broken body fails us. There is no way that your sacrifice isn't accepted on behalf of our sin. Your word says that it does. The father accepted it by raising you from the dead. That's the proof that he accepted the contract and that payment's been made in full. And we thank you for that this morning. That's what we praise you for. Little circumstances down here will change week to week. Our emotions will go up and down, but you are stable and eternal, perfect. You're always faithful. You're always there. You're always beautiful, right, and correct, and and loving, and merciful, and forgiving, full of grace. And we praise you for all of that, God. We don't put our hope in man or tomorrow. We don't put our hope in circumstances getting better. We put our hope and place our hope fully upon you and what you've done at the cross. We look forward to the new heaven and the new earth spoken of in Revelation. We look forward to that all wrongs being righted, but there's no chance or no even concern about tears or pain or suffering or separation from you ever again. We look forward to that, God. So this morning, we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior. We trust in you. We believe on you. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins, and we remember in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat. If you're visiting, we break our glasses or crush our plastic. Be careful. Sometimes you can get hurt doing that. And the reason we do that is because it represents a, a broken life that's been restored, that's been made whole, that's been made new. You know, oh, no, that's all right. You can break them anytime you want. That's just fine. <laughs> there, I got, I got to get it out of the way. But we're made new, we're made whole again. Absolutely. And uh, we're thankful for what Jesus does for a broken life, He makes us usable able to contain something again, to hold him, to bring him wherever we go, to be the vessel that God uses to bring hope and light to this world. Um, Lord, we love you. We thank you for uh, this time we've had together in your word and, and worship and in prayer and also in this time of communion, Lord, where we're all together. We're all in, um, We all understand your body and your blood shed for us. In Jesus' name, amen.